This episode of The Bryantland Show is brought to you by OnX Hunt. From Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is The Bryantland Show. Hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian, AB3. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bryant Land Show. Thank you, studio audience, or as I like to call them, Button C, for bringing me in. We have a great show here today. I am not going to dilly-dally around with a whole lot of intro and talking about, you know, things that are important not only to me, but I think that are important to you. My guest is Jared Larson from Onyx Hunt, and we have a pretty lengthy interview. It's a great interview. Um, I enjoyed talking to him. We talked about just about everything under the sun from techno hunt, waterfowling, deer hunting. I mean, you guys are really going to enjoy it. So what I'm going to do is shut up, move out the way, and let you guys listen to my conversation with Jared Larson here on the Bryantland Show. Bryantland. Anytime I can catch a man on a road trip doing some hunting, having fun, and get him to stop what he's doing to come on my podcast, I am winning. So <laughs> with Without any question or any further ado, Jared Larson, marketing specialist from our friends at Onyx, you are traveling on the road. Where the hell are you going? Where have you been? And how are you? Three questions right off the bat. Dig it. Dig it. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you having me on, Adam. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. And, uh, you know, there's no better time to record podcasts than on the road, in my opinion. So, <laughs> I, uh... I just just wrapped up a, a, a super fun waterfowl hunt with uh, Sam Soholt, Matt McCormick, Austin Lemieux, and my buddy Ben Brett again that works at Onyx with me. Um, we were out in North Dakota uh, shooting some content for Onyx, trying to find some uh, ducks and geese. And uh, unfortunately, we kind of hit that 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 gap between local birds and migrators. Yeah. Um, you know, the local birds that kind of push south and move on after getting blasted at for a couple weeks. Um, and the migrating birds, you know, of course, they showed up uh, on Friday. A whole slew of fresh birds showed up and Saturday was our last day to hunt. Um, but you know how it is. Sometimes you just have to pick a date due to time constraints. And so we kind of knew it might be tough in early October there. But you know, we, we scratched out some birds. We shot 10 geese one morning and, oh. uh, you know, a, a handful of ducks, like six, eight ducks and 10 geese another morning. Um, and certainly chased a bunch of roosters around in the afternoons. And uh, goodness gracious, Western <laughs> North Dakota rooster numbers are incredible. Uh, so had some great fun in the afternoon shooting upland birds. Um, we're watching the dogs work. I really love watching dogs work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that there sometimes that can be even better than actually shooting or getting oh, shot from birds absolutely especially you know like with the crew of guys we had Corey Loeffler was there too for a little bit he actually like is a dog trainer 
Um, so like just being around really well-trained bird dogs is, is always a treat. Um, you know, I grew up with labs, but you know, we were just the everyday Joe, our, our dogs were getting the job done, but you know, they weren't creme de la creme and, you know, I got to hunt behind some, some top notch dogs. So that was super cool. Um, but so wrapped up that North Dakota trip and I'm actually back in my home state of Wisconsin, uh, heading back home to see the parents for a couple days and then, uh, headed right out to the tree stand to hunt some, hunt some big whitetails here in my home state. And I couldn't be more excited. Uh, so oh. it's hard, it's hard to be too bad in this stretch of life that I'm living right now. Yeah. Oh man. You, you, you kind of hit me in the feels, you know, I spent the last five years in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I, I wasn't overly a fan of it just because of, you know, being a Southern boy and then up and <laughs> up there for the winter. But I tell you what, I'm so glad that when I was living there, I was into the outdoors and doing stuff out there because I had so much fun. I mean, Milwaukee is, I think it's like four or five hours or so to Iowa. Uh, it's like maybe, I know it's 10 to Arkansas because I made that trip twice. I went to <laughs> Nebraska. I went to Kansas. Of course, I hunted geese in Illinois and Wisconsin, duck hunted in Wisconsin, deer hunted in Wisconsin. Like, that definitely made the time pass a lot smoother and a lot more fun. Great archery shops in that Wisconsin, that uh, metro Milwaukee area. Like it, it's hard to find a good archery shop down here in the, in Metro Atlanta. But there were like three or four of them in Metro Milwaukee. You could go outside and shoot your bow. Like they had state parks that had the. Uh, the towers that you could shoot from. So from from that standpoint, man, I, I really started to fall in love with Milwaukee just, just a little bit. Hey, I yeah, I hear that loud and clear. You know, I'm out in Montana, which is obviously a super hunter-friendly state, but it's sparsely populated, which, again, don't get me wrong, I'm all for that. <laughs> uh, but like the archery shop thing, uh, there isn't a good archery shop anywhere near me. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean the camaraderie and the buddies you can make by just going to the archery shop, shooting some arrows, having them tune your bow, you end up drinking a couple bush lights while you're there. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the hunting culture of Wisconsin is, is pretty hard to beat. And as you said, like, it's not really like a centralized state in the minds of most, but as far as like a centralized hunting state where, you have a ton to do in your home state and it's really not that far of a drive yeah. to a bunch of other really high quality states. Wisconsin's a pretty tough spot to beat. And it really, it, it really is. And then the other thing that I loved too was I discovered the video uh, archery. So like you basically techno take, hunt. yes. Oh my yes, God. I sir. missed the techno hunt. Yes, sir. I don't know. Like the factual, like the numbers or whatever, but I definitely feel like in my mind, Techno Hunt made me so much a better shot 
because and for those that don't know what techno hunting is it's basically you take your bow and instead of having the field tip they give you like a blunt tip to put on it you're basically shooting at a projector if you want to know what happened to your father's and your granddad's laser disc they basically got recycled into techno hunt because that's what all those scenes are on they're on freaking laser discs and they put it in the machine and they load it up and it's seen. So you can do deer, you can do elk, you can do big game, you know, like whitetail, you can do pigs, you can do turkeys. And the first, my first turkey hunt in Nebraska, I practiced on techno hunt with those turkeys. And the first turkey I ever shot with my bow was a perfect shot right through the wings. And I am convinced it is because I spent hours doing techno hunt before I went to Nebraska. Oh. I that's, missed that so that's much. That's hilarious <laughs> to bring techno hunt up because growing up in, uh, in Waupon, Wisconsin is my hometown, small town, South Central. Uh, one of my best buddies to this day, um, his dad owned an archery shop in town and, uh, you know, they had techno hunt. And I, I cannot tell you how many Saturdays I spent sitting at that archery shop where me and my buddy Colin would just. You know, if there wasn't somebody paying to shoot techno hunt, right. we're in there just round after round after round. There are and, leagues. Uh, you can do leagues with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. oh, my gosh. So let me ask you this. So so techno hunt is, I mean, it's a pretty advanced system. You know, they have it programmed where they know exactly the placement of the arrow on whether they categorize it as a bullseye, which is a heart shot or a uh, a vitals which was a lung shot or a body yeah you know they give you different point denominations at least where i shot it was 10 points for a bullseye eight for a vitals five for a body and zero for a miss and yep. we always shot in leagues um but the techno hunt system that i hunt that i shot on got pretty complex like you could you could set it for i, I forget what the setting was called but it was more like real live hunting experiences. So like it would flash and say 42 yards, whatever crosswind. And so you would actually use your 40 yard pin oh, wow. in the 20, in the 20 yard lane. And it would like make that compensated adjustment. Uh, and that was really interesting too. I mean, a lot of times we would just shoot it true for 20 yards. Right. Uh, but I, I was curious to see if you'd ever done like the more technical side of it. No, because like the, the two places that I went, they were 20 yards. Um, they were always 20 yards. But the difference was one place I went, their turkeys was headshot only. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like doing turkeys there. In the other place, you know, you could do, you know, vitals, body, and then so like a heart shot was twelve, and then okay. anything you know outside of that, like the uh, next level was ten, and then lungs and stuff was eight, and then it was like zero if you you know hit it in the ham or something like that. Sure. So, but you know, it wasn't a, a a change in distance. It was just that you know, like I said, that one place I went to, it was headshot only because I'm sitting there and I'm drilling these turkeys like in the breast and in the in the wing and stuff, <laughs> and I'm not getting any points. And I'm like, what is? What, what are y'all doing? It's like, oh, it's headshot only. I'm just like, That's oh my hilarious. god. So yeah, I yeah, I actually looked at out of raw curiosity. 
how Buying much one and putting it in your basement. Yes, how much it would cost. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I talked to the rep, and I think at the time, this was maybe like three or four years ago. I think he said anywhere between fifteen and twenty grand. Yeah, yeah. And I, was, I, I that's uh, if you if you were sitting on stacks of cash, exactly. It, it, it would be worth it. That's but. my. I was like, if that, if I could have just won the lottery, that would be my lottery purchase. Like, how badass would that be to have a freaking techno hunt in your man cave Dude, at your and house? Imagine, imagine, <laughs> like, if you did have those stacks of cash, because I mean, if you can drop fifteen grand on a little video game, like <laughs> at, at that point. You can spot, you, you know, you can set up a big old 60 yard long aluminum pole shed. And how amazing would it be to have your own lane set up where you can literally play techno hunts at 40 yards and use your true pin shooting at critters? Oh well. my God. Like, imagine how much better <laughs> of an archer you would be. Like that, you know, I always tell people. I got into hunting because I kind of phased out of video games, like the Maddens and stuff like that. I kind of phased my way out of it, and I was looking for something else to do. Golf wasn't yeah. going to be it, so I got into <laughs> hunting and shooting bows. But, like, man, this freaking techno hunt. Now, you if ever the video game that I could, like, just totally get behind, man, oh, you, you – I miss my I, I miss my techno hunt. And then it was so great because it could be like twenty two outside. You know how Wisconsin winters are. I mean, hell, it's probably twenty two now in October. But you go inside, you get warm in the nice warm archery center, and then after you finish your your round, you get you a a, a Budweiser or a local IPA or something. Oh man. Yep. Yeah. Well and so when you started shooting techno hunt, like was that kind of part of your introductory experience? Yeah. So, well, before then I was still down here and I hadn't taken the job in Milwaukee yet. So I was kind of just, you know, shooting the bag targets and stuff like that. I had already killed a hog. So I was starting to transfer a little bit more in 3d targets. Um, and then I went to, like I said, I went to, um, I want to say it was Buck Rub was the name of. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I know that archery shop. Yep. Was the name of that shop. And I went and I, I shot there because they had a 3D course, which I thought was out of this world. Again, never seen anything yep. like that uh, here in Georgia. Did and they have any mechanical like pop up or moving 3D they, targets? They didn't have the pop up uh, like the mechanical targets, but they had like sure. all kind of. Like, you know, bag targets, then they had the 3D targets, and they had it at all different yardage. You could go upstairs and shoot from um, from elevated. upstairs. Yeah, the elevated yep. platform. And then they had the – that was when they had the techno hut, and the guy was like, well, you should try this. And I was like, what is it? And he broke it down and explained it. And then I started shooting it. Once I started shooting that, I became hooked. Like, it was way better because I was still learning. So I hadn't kind of figured out, you know, how you could, like – you know, put the stuff on your arrow so it'd make it easier to pull out the target. Like, I'm still fighting the targets, trying to pull my arrows out and stuff, you know. <laughs> so I get into the techno hunt, and it's just like you put some, you know, the blunt targets on the end, and you're shooting it at the projector, and it's just like you go down, you pick them up, you come back, and then you shoot, so, you know, whatever. So so where where my head was at when I asked you that question is, is so just – 
I've, I've been a, around a fair number of new archers. Like for instance, like my, one of my cousins, he's best buddy of mine as well. His wife, um, they just recently got married and she's like just getting into to bow hunting. She's gun hunted forever. Um, and she has her family owns some really sweet property in Wisconsin. And so she went out a couple weekends ago and, and she made a shot on a doe and her takeaway was like, I've, I've practiced shooting my bow all summer I've, you know, looked at hundreds of images of, of deer and, and my cousin Cody has like broke it down for her. Like, Hey, in this situation, you want to shoot the deer here in this situation, you want to shoot the deer here. Yep. And, and that's something that she, her takeaway was like, you just can't replicate that. You can't replicate it in the moment because everything's happening so fast. Yep. Your adrenaline's pumping. And so like 3d targets, you know, the, the 10 ring that you're shooting for, is only placed there for a perfect broadside shot right on a bag bag target or a block target. Like you're shooting, you're shooting at a circular dot. Right. And, and so that doesn't really translate into shooting real critters. Yep. And that's what I really loved about techno hunt is you had quartering away shots. You had quartering two shots. Yep. You had perfectly broadside shots and it just got you comfortable with like, okay, in this position, I need to shoot that critter here. Yep. And really what it all comes down to, at least in my mind, what I do every time I'm shooting a critter is, is don't think about where that arrow is going to enter. Think about where that arrow is going to exit. Yep. You know, and, and that almost always means shoot for the opposite side shoulder. Yep. You know? Yep. And, and so like, I, I think as a new hunter, you really can't do yourself a better service or better favor than trying to find somewhere to shoot techno hunts. Now, is it a little bit more expensive per hour than just shooting at a block target or whatever? Yes. But you know, the extra $8 that it costs, you're, you're going to be glad you did it when you get your first opportunity at a real critter, because you're going to be much better prepared in my opinion. It makes you so much better. That's why, that's why I was saying like when I, by the time I went to Nebraska, and shot my first turkey with a bow, like I was completely comfortable. Yes, it happened fast. Yes, I almost didn't shoot him because I was too busy filming him. But when <laughs> I <laughs> when I finally drew back and put my pin on her, I knew exactly where I needed to put my pin on that bird. Same thing when I shot um, the deer, and then I would go and I'd practice you know, shooting hogs and stuff. That was always the thing that I shot on Techno Hunt. Deer, I'll tell hogs, you, turkeys. I'll tell you what. If your first archery kill was a freaking turkey, man, that is impressive because shooting a turkey with a bow is very difficult. No, like, it, very it, difficult. They have a very small vitals. They're tougher than nails. And, like... Honestly, they're they were literally created to be shot in the face with a shotgun. I've heard like you, so many people say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's if like you're turkeys, turkeys on a consistent <laughs> basis with a bow, you've got it figured out, man. That's that's impressive. Well, I wouldn't say consistent. I would say the first thing I ever killed with a bow was a wild hog. I um I went with a guy that ran dogs. And it was like, and I didn't know it at the time how rare it is for somebody who runs hog dogs to allow somebody to kill them with a bow. With a bow? Yeah. I, at the time, I didn't, I didn't think anything about it. Now, honestly, in the back of my mind, I'm like, 
the worst thing that could happen today is I shoot this man's dog. Like that is the like that was the thing that was always in the back of my mind. But once we got out there and the adrenaline started going and whatnot, you know, I was just completely into it. I made the shot, and I mean, shoot, you making the shot seven yards, maybe. Oh, might. right on him. Yeah, you're yeah, Cl- you're, close enough where it's like oh, I wish you was a little further. <laughs> yeah, because because one and I'm, and he had. He didn't have catch pits. He had bay and hounds. So, like, they would just run it down and get it all tired and stuff. But once that sow was tired, she was pissed. And so you don't oh, know yeah. which way she's going to break. And she's trying to get the dogs off her. And I was able well, to slip one. Well, and I imagine one. she's, like, spinning circles. Right. It's hard exactly. To ever she, yeah, she's dude. spinning circles. Uh, like, when she finally, like stood still for like a half a second or however long it was. I slipped one right behind her neck. First thing I'd ever kill. And Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was that was that. And then I shot a doe and a buck in was I shot a doe in Wisconsin. And the next year I shot a buck in Wisconsin. And then I killed that turkey in Nebraska. And I tell people all the time, like, you know, they'll be like, what are you most proud of? I'm like, I killed a turkey with a bow. Like I now I've yep. killed a few more the last couple of years with shot with a shotgun and that is fun. That, I can't lie. That is fun too. I didn't think it would be as fun. But oh I, my god, it's I, so fun. I totally see what people say when they say turkeys are made to be smashed in the face. I yep. totally yep. get it. <laughs> because sometimes like like I said I was fortunate be, I beginner's luck. I shot that turkey it went straight through it kind of wobbled off it flew and then i watch it pile up under under a cedar tree so that that was that was kind of cool like that doesn't always go down like that and good luck getting a blood trail on a turkey so oh you don't get a blood trail on a turkey like it just it just don't happen right so that's why i was like okay this couldn't happen any better but then like i said the, the last couple of years i've done it with shotgun and yeah it it's when you actually hit them and that flop, it, it, it's pretty cool. I can't lie. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's just something to be said about, like, when a turkey, like, once he steps inside of 40 yards, it's just kind of like, okay, you're mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, with a, with a bow, there's just – even when they're at, like, 20 yards, turkeys never stand still. They're always, like, pecking around. And you miss by two inches – Oh, you and that you're probably not finding that bird, you know. Yeah. Like it's they're they're tough, man. So it, no, that's that's awesome. That's awesome that you stuck your first one. And uh, uh, there is no better place to go bow hunting for turkeys than Nebraska. They give you about what a a month before the shotgun opportunity arrives. Yeah, and then you know, like I tell people out here, you know, we all all we got out here is, uh, is Easterns, and you know, you go yep. to Nebraska, you can Miriams, you go to Texas, you can get Rios. Kansas, same thing. Get Rios. Those birds actually work. They respond yeah, they're to a little calls. Dumber than Easterns. Yes, <laughs> Easterns hit the ground and shut up for like the rest of the day. Like, yep. To get an Eastern to gobble, it's like I, f- I feel like, and it's because I'm still relatively relatively young at turkey hunting. But I feel like getting an Eastern to gobble takes an act of God. I can go to Nebraska, Kansas, or Texas, or whatever, and feel like freaking scott ellis or somebody like that like a world 
turkey champion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They well, actually respond. I mean, Georgia, your Georgia Easterns, really any of the southern states. I, I've never personally hunted an Eastern in the southern states, but, you know, just through work, you know, getting to talk to guys like Philip Culpepper and the guys from the hunting public and, um, you know, all of them say, like, turkeys in the south are just a different breed, man. Like, even from an Eastern in Wisconsin compared to an Eastern in, in Georgia, it's like day and night, you know, they're just – but the, everybody in the South hunts them, you know, and, and oh, it's yeah. not like that anywhere else in the country. Yeah, no, they they'll still they'll get after them. They they they're a resilient bunch down here. I, I will say that every year, and especially with our turkey season that opens up so early. I was like, gonna say your guys' turkey seasons are just so long. Yes, and they're and they're continuous. That was the thing that threw me off in Wisconsin. So six days, right. And it's like yep. you get a tag, and then you got six days for that one tag. And if you don't, then you're SOL. Like that yep. tag doesn't, you know, Which roll makes it over. Kind of fun. You know, I, like it, it adds it adds a different element. Like you kind of got to burn yourself out for that week. But it's I don't know. There's something about a time bound mission for me that that just adds <laughs> adds a little bit of excitement for it. You know? Yeah. No, I can I can see that. It just like I said, it just took some getting used to because you know, like I said, down here, you know, March 21st it starts and then May 15th it ends and you go at it all those straight days. I mean, it's like in Wisconsin, it's zone one for five days and then zone two for six days and then like i was like okay it, it took me a minute to kind of decipher but it was still like i said man wisconsin is definitely as far as an outdoorsman's paradise i mean it, it it's, it's one good. of the best yeah it, it, yep. it's one of the best i mean hell we went so we we took a charter out on lake michigan and like caught a monster uh, rainbow trout last summer. Oh heck yeah! Like just I, I I can honestly say from the outdoors side, like I said up there, that definitely it it, it made it worthwhile. So heck yeah! But so you are from Wisconsin. Who introduced you to the outdoors? Because for you guys out there, I mean, obviously, like a lot of other places, you know kids start young and they get introduced to you know by their parents and stuff but it, it's a whole to me it's just a different culture a different breed out there because it's like you got milwaukee and then it's like once you get past like a little certain ways i think on what 94 and you start going towards madison it's almost like georgia south carolina any place like that but those dairy farms, man, they, they aren't anything nice. So who, did you grow up on a farm? Like, who got you started? Yeah, man, I, I was really fortunate. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, in south-central Wisconsin. We had a back 40. You know, it was it was a couple ag fields, and we had a woods line and a pond. And But my old man, you know, he's been a diehard hunter since he was a kid. Um, and, you know, he has three brothers, so all my uncles were, were deep into it. Uh, and so I was just raised in, in an outdoors family. So, you know, I, I got lucky in, in that manner um, and just being introduced to it from day one. Uh, and so that that's kind of how I got into it. But as you said, like, there's not many better states to 
meet people or just get ingrained into the hunting culture than Wisconsin. And everybody, everybody hunts like the, the Friday before gun season at school, (laughs) nobody was there. Like it might as well have been a day off, you know, everybody gets pulled out and you go up North and do the deer camp thing. And, um, no, so I was just really lucky in the fact that I, I grew up in a family that was all about it and was introduced it to it from, uh, from the get go. Wisconsin is the first place that I heard the term orange army. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's, uh, I honestly like it. I, so my dad took me up to gun season for the first time. I think I was nine. Um, you know, and, and at that time you couldn't hunt until you were 12. Now there's been some laws passed that, you know, if you're accompanied by an adult, you can start at like 10 or something like that. But, um, I mean, I was legitimately like when I was sitting in my, in the tree stand with my dad, when I was nine and, and shooting light happened, Mm -hmm. like every single direction. (laughs) (laughs) And like, from then on, I was like, I was legitimately unwilling to sit on the ground. Like it was, yeah. it was probably a little bit of an irrational fear, but no. it was like, I, I am, I am not sitting on the ground around here because that's I mean, from the, the stories amount, the that I've heard were incredible. <laughs> I was going to say that like, is you, not irrational from the stories that I've heard. <laughs> it literally felt like a war zone. Like, man, you would, you did not want to be a deer the third Saturday in November. Oh did, did you God. ever did you ever have the opportunity to go to the Northwoods for opener of gun season in Wisconsin? No. I I was fortunate because what would end up happening is is like I would you know the first year I didn't kill that doe until like was it late November? I think it was December. It was early December. So I didn't get like the whole gun, like opening day thing. And then the next year I killed the buck in September. So by the time early November, I was already like going down to Wisconsin or going down to Illinois for like geese and stuff like that. So I've never sat in the woods opening day in Wisconsin. But like I said, I've, I've heard the stories and like I said, I've never before heard the term orange army until I was talking to a guy that I was working with in Wisconsin. And he was telling me about it. And he was just like, it's ridiculous. It's like, it, it, <laughs> it's impressive. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. And honestly, like, I think Wisconsin, I think there's more hunters out on opening day in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Texas. So, like, I can't even imagine what those places are like. Wow. Wow. I mean, it gets pretty bad here. Like, I can hear them across, you know, whatnot. Like, but no, they, like I said, Orange Army was a term that was coined exclusively for Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were, if we were to get into a war and somebody came on our turf, they wouldn't want to go to Wisconsin. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. That's exactly yeah. what he said. Yeah, man. Everybody is locked and loaded. Oh, man. From the Orange Army and nobody being in school the first day of gun season, <laughs> where where did you go to school as far as, like, college? And did you pretty yep. much know that you were going to be working in the outdoors? Like, was there, like, any option for you? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, honestly – 
you know, probably like every kid growing up, professional sports was the dream to some extent. Okay. But, you know, every kid that plays sports and watches football on Sundays, you know, is like, oh, I want to make it into the big leagues. But second option was was definitely to be like a hunting TV personality. Okay. Uh, and so I actually – ended up going to school in Ames, Iowa at Iowa State University purely with the notion to get resident deer tags for four years because <laughs> my my aunt's grandparents homesteaded a pretty amazing 370-acre Iowa farm. Oh, my God. Uh, and so instead of drawing an Iowa tag for 650 bucks. Once every three years, I thought, man, a marketing degree is a marketing degree, regardless of where I get it. You know, I'm no Harvard brains, so I'm going to go and get resident deer tags and hunt Iowa for four years while I do it. So, so that's exactly what I did. I so respect that. I, that is <laughs> genius. I so respect that. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's how that ended up. And and frankly, you know, I shot I shot a couple couple good bucks my first couple years at at Ames in Ames there. Um, and, and I missed, I missed a couple giant bucks, mm. um, which that's yeah, part of bow hunting. Um, but if I could shoot my bow just a little bit straighter, my wall would be significantly more impressive. Wow. So what is it, it is your preference rifle? Oh, no, my preference is bow hunting. Okay. I, in fact, I've, I've done very little rifle hunting. Like, I did the whole Orange Army thing in, in Wisconsin growing up. Yep. Um, but after I graduated high school, I didn't uh, I didn't pick up a rifle again until last year. Uh, so I had probably, a, you know, a five, six-year hiatus of, of rifle hunting just because, like, I, I don't know. There's just something about those encounters with a bow in your hand you know you're so much closer yep it's it's so much more of an adrenaline rush and an, an experience with the animal you know like it's cool to shoot a buck at 250 yards but you know <laughs> that thing that thing has no clue no inclination that you exist right whereas you know when you get a buck at 25 yards it's like holy smokes like this thing is on top of me and you know I, you understand, like, there's just something more to it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's funny because uh, I joined a, a hunt club this year, and I was talking to one of the guys, and you know, we were just like, you know, hey, you know, gun, bow, whatever, and he was just like, you know, I, I bow hunt, but then once rifle season's in, you know, I look forward to picking up my rifle, and I was just like, oh, okay, I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like I bow hunt. Um, he's like, all season. I was like. Yeah, he was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah." It's like, "Nah, man." When they, when they say I can pick up my rifle, I'm picking up my rifle. It's like bow hunting's okay, but when it's time to pick up the rifle, I'm picking up my rifle, and I'm just like, you know, hey, what, whatever floats your boat. And I'm pretty sure I don't do myself any favors, but I enjoy it so much more. And I and I've never shot a deer with a with a rifle. So I don't know. Maybe I'll pull the trigger on a rifle one day and be like, "Oh, well, what have I been missing all my life?" But I just don't that, see it that way. I, that's I, so amazing to me that like you you're you're an adult onset hunter and you're a diehard bow hunter, dude. That's badass. <laughs> like, I'm Honestly, still like, trying to like figure this figure it out like and it goes. Hunting is so hard. It's it really so is. Hard. 
it, like even if you pick up a gun as an adult onset hunter, like and you go out there and figure it out, you're gonna have struggles. But if you handicap yourself into a bow, uh, you're that's badass, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. it. It's frustrating and it goes against everything in my personality because my personality, I I like things. I real life is hard. Like real life yep. is hard enough. Like anything that I'm doing for quote unquote leisure, I like for it to be fairly easy. Like I'm not a big like you know that. challenge guy. Like I, I got to find the challenge to get my blood going. No, real life is a challenge. That's good. I got the challenge department covered. When I'm doing something <laughs> for you know fun or whatever, like I want to be successful. I want to be you know you don't want to be leisure. frustrated, right? And I don't want to be frustrated, yeah. but. I don't know what it is. Like I can go and I'll go two or three days and maybe I'll see a couple of deer or I'll do something stupid and like spook one or get out to stand too early when one's oh, yeah. coming up, like right up on me and I can't find my freaking release, even though I just unknocked it. Like, you know, just dumb stuff like that. And I'll be pissed for like a couple of days. And then I'm looking at the weather, looking for like a significant weather change. And I'm like, well, maybe if I go hunt this spot, this spot will be like, because I haven't been in this spot yet this year. Or maybe this is the spot that I need to be at. So like, let, it, let me ask you this. Are, are you somebody that has like a yearning for knowledge? Like you always, you like, you go out of your way to continually learn about things. Because that's kind of what it is for me as far as like bow hunting goes. It, like, for as long as you can bow hunt, you can still have new takeaways from most every, and maybe not most every hunt, but many hunts. You're like, yes. oh man, if, yes. I, if I would have done that differently, yes, this might have happened. And then, and then you you have the opportunity where it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change this tactic because of X, Y, or Z, yes, and see what happens. And there's just so much learning to build off of, and frankly, even when you do screw something up, at the end of the day. Like you're sitting out in a tree stand more often than not. It's just like a, there's a serenity to it where it's just like, damn, this is it. Like, this is what I like to. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely is like, I, I'm, I'm more so on the end was a little bit more on the end result. Like I'm, I'm still like, I'm yearning for the day where I finally put like a lot of things together and it just happens. But in the in the meantime, I am learning little, you know, things here and there. It's like, okay, if I do this or do that, oh, look at this deer, looking at their body motion. Like, to, matter of fact, like today, like I was putting out uh, some corn and putting some stuff in the uh, in feeder and setting up a camera. And I put it up. I left. I came back. And deer was already there she was already there and i just kind of like she jumped and then she circled around and i just stood still and then she came back around and fed and the only thing i'm sitting there and i'm thinking i'm like 25 yards from her she doesn't know i exist i'm on the ground and i'm just watching her like i'm watching her movements i'm watching her tail and of course the yep. whole time i'm like god if i only had my bow I wonder if I can go back and go get my bow and come back and she'll still be here. Probably not. Like, oh, these are all the things that are going through my head, but 
it's just amazing to me how I'm on the ground. I'm 25 yards away. I can see her clear as day. And I'm just watching her feed for like two or three minutes before she takes off. And if I'm in my stand and she looks up, then she's just going to be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> it's just, it, it, I was telling somebody they the other day. Know, man. Yeah. It, like deer, if you can figure out deer, anybody that says they got deer licked and they can figure them out, God love you. Cause <laughs> I, I don't believe it. Like every time you think you got them figured out, they do something else. Oh, like there is no, there is no game of chasing your tail more than hunting. <laughs> you know, like you see, you see a deer do do something one day, and you're like, "Oh man, I got your number. I'm going in there tomorrow." And then you go in there tomorrow, and, and it's like, "Well, just kidding. I guess I'm gonna have to redraw up this game plan." Yeah, you. It's like you. It's to the point now. It's so funny. Like I used to look at trail cam pictures like a kid at christmas like you know i'd be so excited to see bucks and you stuff too? like are that are you telling me that you still don't <sighs> you know it's the why torture myself it's almost like i don't want to know that you were there when i oh, thought i sh- i when i thought you know what i'm saying it's like okay I, well i get that to an extent yeah it's like let me look at my camera uh I wanted to go hunting today, but I had to be on three conference calls that were an hour apart. So I couldn't go hunting today. So it's like, yeah. I don't want to torture myself looking at the camera to see the buck that I was looking for or see like a couple of does that, you know, I was looking for. So I don't know. I have a twist. I have a twisted way of looking at, at, at stuff. No, Jared. I, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that don't run trail cameras because not necessarily for your reason, but, like, because they enjoy the element of surprise. They don't necessarily want to know what's out there because then they might, you know, yeah. hold off from shooting something that totally excites them yeah. or, you know, something along those lines. Whereas the way I see it, I mean, every single time I check my 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 camera cards, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I'm just frothy. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> running out there to get to get them SD cards plugged into my adapter onto my phone so I can see what's there. And, and the whole reason that I really like doing it is, you know, come November, there's going to be just a miserable weather day. It's going to be a Northwest wind blowing at 20 miles an hour and 18 degrees when you get up in your tree with a high of 30 and you're going to be absolutely <laughs> miserably cold by like 10 in the morning. Yes. But if I have a trail camera picture of something that fires me up, that's what's going to keep me out there. You know, like it, it keeps me like mentally, mentally in the game. Like it can happen. I know he's here. I need to park it. I can't go in and eat that bowl of chili and watch (laughs) the the Vikings play. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Right. It's, it's funny you say that because the two, I, let's see, I killed three bucks in when I was in Wisconsin and two of them, the temperature was in, if not single digits, high, oh, double, nice. high double digits. Because the, the first day I killed in Wisconsin, my whole my, the first buck I killed in Wisconsin, my whole thing was I want to shoot a deer in the snow. Like that okay. was that okay. was like my entire thing. Like I sure I want 
to shoot. No, I wanted to see the blood trail and the snow and stuff. Being a southern boy, that makes perfect sense. Yes. So the real quick, I think I believe I've told this story before, but I'll tell the short version. So we get out there first couple hours. We you know we sit whatever. We come down. We go back in. Uh, get warm for a little bit, and then we're out there like the rest of the day. And of course, in Wisconsin, that time of the year, I think December, you know, it gets dark four o'clock. It's it's a wrap, like the yep. daylight's done. So we, yep. I think we got out there maybe like six or seven, so maybe something like that. We came down at like ten, and then we stayed the entire rest of the day. So I'm just like, all right, you know, I can get through this. I bought the clothes. I went to the Cabela's. I got all the clothes and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm ready for this. This is this is for the long haul. yep. This is what we came for. So here comes. I'm standing there, and the guy that I'm with, you know, he's kind of talking me through it because this is the first time that obviously I'm attempting to shoot a buck. In Wisconsin, in oh by the way, I've been sitting outside in single digit weather for like five hours. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, ooh, there it is. That's let's go. So comes comes down the trail. I draw back. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I've been practicing. I I got it. This is the moment of truth. I hit that deer squarely in the ass. <laughs> Oh man! With a never with a NAP Hellraiser fixed blade, right in the ham, and of course, not really under fully understanding. Like I hit it, and it gushed, so I hit an artery. So that's a good thing. Oh baby! So I'm pissed because you know I didn't get the perfect you know, double lung or heart shot or whatever, because I, I'm like, I didn't, I promise you, I didn't aim for its ass. Like that was well, not yeah. where I aimed. Nope, nobody does. <laughs> but it hit it. And then it started like, it just literally started spraying. You can just see it pumping. Yeah. Like just spraying yeah. all in the snow. And so he, he was like, just give it a minute, give it a minute. So we gave it a few minutes. Of course he bed it down and then we got down and I followed up and I, uh, hit him like right behind the right behind the shoulder, I think right through the lung, uh, and in the heart. And I was I was still excited. Don't get me wrong; like I was very disappointed that it took me two shots, but yep. I was still excited. I was like, I killed a deer in the snow, and it was just like one of the most exhilarating things. Like I don't understand how people when they kill a deer with a bow. Like anybody that can be like, well, it's not the biggest deer, or it's not the smallest, or it's not the deer that I really want, dude. You killed a deer with a freaking bow. Yeah, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm with, like, if, if I'm if I'm grabbing my bow and I'm intending to draw back, it's because I am all jacked up. Like, it, there's nothing more exciting in my mind than like coming to full draw. <sighs> like that's that's the pinnacle. It like because it takes so much. Like those deer, they know the least little bit of movement. It's like when they put their born, head down born to survive. Yes, that's their whole life. They don't have bills. They don't have a water bill. They don't have a mortgage. Like their whole life is survival. So it's like yep. if you can get to full draw, twenty five yards or under, on a damn deer. That's step one. Then if you can let the arrow fly and hit them accurately and, man, kill a deer with a bow, oh, man. Yep. And, and, that, and don't get 
don't get me wrong when I, when I, when I come out with this, but you know, I, I mean, there is no worse feeling in the world than naming an animal, like literally none. And you know, I've done it. I've done it multiple times actually. Right. Um, but I, in fact, I shot a cow, this cow elk this year that I never found. And like, it, it just, it completely took the wind out of my sails. I didn't go elk hunting again after that. Uh, but I was talking, my, my good buddy is actually my boss as well. And he actually put it into an interesting perspective to me. We're, we're just chatting about it. We are kind of chatting about the whole, the whole notion of like, if you, if you shoot a critter and, and find blood or think that it's a lethal, lethal shot, like, what is your obligation to punch that tag if you don't find it, you know? Right. And, and, and what he said to me is like, you know, honestly, the way I feel about it is like, when you pick up a bow and you say, I'm going to archery hunt, you just, you just have to accept the fact that eventually something's going to go wrong. I don't care how much practice you put in, how good of an archer you are. You're going to make a mistake and you're probably going to make a bad shot. And that's something you're just going to have to live with if you're going to be an archery hunter. Yep. Totally. Which, which it's, it's, it sucks. It's absolutely the worst feeling in the world. And, and you have to do everything you can to, to put in the effort to find that critter. But as, as you said, like, you, like it feels terrible to hit him in the backhand. Even if you recover him, you feel terrible about it because you want nothing more than that animal to expire in about 30 seconds. Yep. But as as millions of folks are coming to realize because of pages like Nature is Metal on Instagram, honestly, I would if I'm a critter, I want to get shot by a human because that is going to be the most humane way for me to go. Yes. Yes. Like starving to death, getting ripped apart by coyotes. Uh, while like you freezing to death, like right, nope, like <laughs> right. give me an arrow. Get getting ripped apart by coyotes from from the ass end up while you may still be alive. Yeah. While you while you one hundred percent definitely are alive. <laughs> you know, like yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely better. You know, the, if given an option. Double lung at twenty yards with a with a, a surgical steel broadhead or eaten ass end up by coyotes. Yeah, give me that arrow. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I don't understand how how people don't like that doesn't compute, but uh, whatever. <laughs> yep, yeah, <laughs> what? yeah, that's, that's that's the right mentality to have. Yes. They'll they'll do your they'll do their thing and we'll do our thing. Yeah, and and then the crazy thing too with it is you know okay, so you practice so much on your shooting, that's like the last frontier is actually making the shot. Like you gotta have the skills and the woodsmanship to find these animals yeah you can run trail cameras but trail cameras i found out very early on trail cameras tell maybe a quarter of the story oh god if that you know like 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 if you're hunting like a a a private tract of land where there's no pressure and you have a bunch of food plot you know if you're the drearies or something (laughs) then i think trail kit you know trail cameras then become a boatload of intel right but if you're out there getting it on public land or a hunting club where there's other pressure trail cameras are 
are fun and exciting, but rarely can you like, you know, correlate a trail camera picture to like, oh, because I got that picture, I killed that. Right. Right. Yep. And it, and see that, and see, we have the thing here down south where it's just like you got the people that bait like with corn and supplemental yep. feed and then you got you know the food plots baiting isn't hunting all that other gibberish what i've come to find out a food plotting is hard b yep. baiting guarantees nothing and it's and it's like you said you know like if you're like the druids or uh you know, folks like that, like the like the guys like at Realtree and stuff like that, that have like food plots and these luscious, you know, food plots where deer just step out of the woods into a food plot or whatever. No matter how good I think my food plots are, I have yet to kill a deer in one of my food plots. Like I see them on pictures, but when I'm there... <laughs> Like it, just trying to get that pattern down. So my point is, though, like it's still again whether you're food plot, whether you bait, whether you hunt, you know, trails or whatever. Nothing's guaranteed. Gotta put the time in. It's like if you don't have your stay, if you don't have your stand time in the, in your woods time, yeah, that's that's the only way you're gonna learn. Yep, hundred percent. Oh. Yeah, and, and that, and you just gotta fail fast. Like you gotta, you just gotta recognize, like, okay, this is what I did wrong, or you know, this this tree on a south wind. Actually, the wind is blowing west here, but but it takes a couple of times for that to happen and and get busted before you can put the pieces of the puzzle together. Right, right. That's the that's and, the thing. And, and, and you can't do that learning from the couch. No amount of watching the hunting public or, <laughs> you know, reading up on, on forums is going to get you that knowledge. You just gotta go out there and learn the hard way to some extent. I I one hundred percent agree with that. I tell people all the time you can't kill them from the couch. And I Now I, that said if, if you're trying to get some learning and knowledge in the hunting public boys are a great resource. They they are. They are like you and but that's the thing, though, like a lot of um, those resources, whether it be, you know, other podcasts, books, whatever. Yes, there are wealth of knowledge. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and apply it and then figure 100%. out what works in your area, because that's the other thing, too. Like I had to figure out the hard way, you know, just because, you know, mid-November is like prime time or a great time in like Kansas, that doesn't mean that that's a great time in middle Georgia. You know, nope. like that. <laughs> there's a huge difference. And a lot of those articles and stuff that are written in those magazines, they are very Midwest driven because that's yep. where they are. But that doesn't translate necessarily to your part of the country but it it's all of that stuff man like you the more you do it the more you learn and hopefully you get better at it but yeah i i don't know what it is but that it's it's definitely something that is stuck to me like glue like i I can't shake it so heck yeah so to me that is part of the part of the fun it is It, it it totally is now what I've also found out, and you kind of blow a hole in this theory, but I kind of used to feel like if you're a bow hunter 
you might dabble in waterfowl, but you're not really a diehard. And vice versa. If you are a diehard waterfowler, you may dabble a little bit in deer hunting, but you're all about chasing waterfowl. You seem oh, I, to kind of navigate very well between both. I, I'll i start off by saying that I couldn't agree with that statement more. Um, I, I am by no means what I would consider a hardcore waterfowl hunter. Like, I love waterfowl hunting. Like, I get out and hunt waterfowl, quote unquote, as much as I can. Mm -hmm. But... There is never a day in November where if somebody asks me, hey, do you want to go duck hunting or do you want to go deer hunting? I'm going to the tree stand without <laughs> second. Like the and, and diehard waterfowlers don't say that. Right. Um, but man, I, I love I love waterfowl hunting. And I think it's because partly because I love deer hunting so much like like tree hunting whitetail deer can be such a mental grind yes like when you're not seeing deer and you're spending eight ten hour days in the tree freezing your butt um just the ability to have like the camaraderie and share a duck blind like drinking coffee shooting the crap with your buddies just like you know you're able to just talk and it's, it's just such a different experience um i'm a generalist man like i i <laughs> love doing it all um it's, you know, so, some might say doer of all, you know, master of none. Right. Um, and and I, I think, you know, I kind of I kind of probably fit in into that that realm. Um, but, man, the thing that maybe I love most about Montana is our big game seasons. They all, all of them close uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I think. Um, oh, wow. I think that's every every year. Uh, and then waterfowl season closes mid January. So for like a month and a half, all I do is waterfowl hunt because, yeah. because that's all that's open. I was and about to say, amazing. it kind of, it forces, yeah, it, it forces you to kind of focus. I can see that. 100%. Yeah. Well, because like, as you know, like Wisconsin, man, waterfowl season is pretty dang short. Like, it is. You really only get, you only get October and November. And as I just said, in November, I ain't shooting ducks. Right. So so then I was hunting October, which, you know, you get the opening day shoot, which is usually great. There's a bunch of local birds. But then, you know, a lot of October is that lull of, like, local birds are kind of out and migrating birds aren't here yet. So, yeah, I mean, growing up in Wisconsin, it, it was – you kind of did have to choose, like, am I going to be a waterfowl guy or am I going to be a deer guy? And, and see, that was the thing, like, so – I would my my thought process until I realized I was kind of looking at it wrong was okay if I can get an early buck like September then <laughs> October you know I can I can waterfowl a little bit November I can get to Arkansas maybe for the opener or you know do you know geese in Illinois but duck season in Wisconsin done the first week in December like there's nothing else like I, I gotta go to to Illinois to go shoot geese I can shoot geese until like about the first or second week of January and then I would make my trek to Arkansas the third week in the January the week before the season closed but what ended up happening 
It's a week before the season closes. Those birds are in Arkansas. They've seen everything that there oh, is. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. So it, 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 it may be the Mecca, but it definitely ain't like just, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. It. Yeah. No. Well, and the other thing about Wisconsin waterfowl, or, you know, I would, I would assume this to be the, the truth about really any Midwest state, is it might close the first week in November, but unless you are, you know, next to one of the Great Lakes or along the Mississippi River, most all the water is locked up and frozen at some point mid-November anyway, at which point, if there ain't open water, there ain't birds. Right, right, right. Unless you you get the you'll get the geese that are hanging out at the local you know doctor's yeah, office the, the pond. Air, the air, yeah, the aerated doctor's <laughs> office pond or something. Yes, yes. Like, and you you hope they get up and cross over the inner you know cross over the highway yes. into the field like that we're in you know like but. You made a great point, though, because by the time you're sitting in a deer stand and, you know, the mental torture that deer is, because I like being by myself. I enjoy my own company. But there is something to be said after doing that for months and months on end, getting into a goose pit or a duck blind or a layout or whatever, and just kind of shooting the shit with, you know, with your friends or with some guys that you just met that are pretty cool. Like, and it's just the, the, the environment, like the relaxed environment, like a flock of geese comes in and you whiff, you go over three. Like, you're like, Oh damn it. Right. But like, you're probably going to have another flock that comes in in 30 minutes, if not less than that. Yep. Whereas deer hunting, if you pooch that opportunity, <laughs> that might be your opportunity for the season. Yes. Easily. <laughs> so like, like that part of it too, is also like. I, I like that part of it. Like you, you ha there's some forgiveness there. Man, I I enjoy it. I I enjoy it. Georgia is not the biggest waterfowl state. The thing with Georgia, what I've found out is the people that waterfowl. It is a very tight knit group, yep. and because it is not as great as like an Arkansas or something like that, like. The, people, the invites are hard to come by. The invites are hard to come by, and the people that have the spots, they have them, and they ain't telling. <laughs> yep. And they aren't, and they not, and they aren't exactly the friendliest to newbies either. So. No. Well, I think in general, like waterfallers are just a little bit different breed. Yes. Yes. They, they are a breed of their own. Like one something that that my one of my buddies told me recently was. If you put three waterfowlers in the room, the only thing that two of them will be able to agree on is that the third one's wrong. <laughs> like, they, they, that they is so accurate, this, though. This weird mentality that is like everybody's against everybody. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're they're a weird breed, man. That is so accurate. I never thought about so, it like that. <laughs> so I assume if you had to put yourself in a bucket, you'd put yourself in a, in in the deer hunting bucket, not the waterfowl. Bucket. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. I I you okay. know I I do it leisurely. Like I'll try to get you know back to Illinois um, at some point, maybe like 
January after deer season kind of dries uh, dries up or kind of dies down. Because the thing is, here in Georgia, our deer season archery goes to like the 10th of January. Oh, it don't ever end. The 31st, if you're in metro Atlanta, like if you, the five or six metro Atlanta counties, if you have property there, you can bow hunt until January 31st. So yeah. it just, that's a long season. It keeps going. And then if you really want to keep, keep it going, you can bounce over to Alabama where the rut doesn't really start until February and they go all the way through Valentine's Day. So. But usually, yeah, southern states have incredibly long seasons. <laughs> usually by January, I'm kind of deered out. I want to shoot a yeah. couple of geese uh, for the summer, so I can do stuff with the you know with goose meat for the summer, and then I kind of take February off. March, I, I'm looking to go shoot a hog, and then I start gearing up for turkey season. It's kind of usually how it's trended the last few years um i haven't really sounds like a pretty dang good trend yeah like it you know it, it give yourself some time to recharge and then you know go back out and then usually at the end of uh well actually by the middle of turkey season i'm already thinking about deer season and then it's like once turkey <laughs> once turkey season closes it's literally like waiting for deer season to open like counting down the days till deer season opens it's 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 freaking bananas. But, yeah. Jared, you are at Onyx. You're the marketing specialist for Onyx. Development, you guys are always working to develop, making things better on that application. Just how did you get hooked up with Onyx and then just like all the great stuff that you can do like on that app? I discovered it probably about a year and a half ago. I started using it around the property and stuff. And then now it's getting even better with the 3D maps and stuff like that. But how did you already have an in as far as like working there or is just one of those things as simple as like, Hey, they're hiring. I'm a marketing guy. Let's see if we can make this work. Yeah. So, um, when I was in Iowa at school, uh, a couple of the spring breaks I had, I decided to buy some, some silo socks and, and hunt snow geese. Um, which I don't know if you've ever snow goose hunted, but I haven't, it's, but I've seen <laughs> oh, like, if you could get into them and have a good shoot, I'm sure there'd be nothing else like it, but boy, is it an ass whooping. So anyhow, <laughs> um, I discovered the Onyx hunt app while in college, snow goose hunting, just, you know, knocking on doors, trying to get permission. And, uh, and so I'd been guiding in Alaska where kind of my summer gigs, um, in college. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so ended up meeting a girl that kind of ruined the, the Alaska summer plans. Cause it was my senior year. And I was like, well, if I ever want to see her again, I can't really just go to Alaska in the bush for five months. <laughs> um, and so what I did was I just started like looking for jobs. I was like, okay, I'm not willing to stay in Iowa. I want to go West where there's mountains and rivers and, you know, get out of the Midwest for a while. And so I just saw a, a job opening at Onyx and, you know, being familiar with the company, um, I applied for it and it was actually a customer support job. And so that's, that's how I got my start was 
on the customer support team, helping folks, you know, get up and running and help understand the app, help use it, help optimize it. Um, and so I did that for a season and then uh, a marketing gig opened up. And so uh, threw my name in that hat and was fortunate enough to get the job. And marketing specialist is, is a pretty arbitrary title. Um, <laughs> At, uh, at Onyx, I, uh, I basically do a lot of uh, partner relations, I guess, is what it breaks down to. So I work with all of our partners in the whitetail, waterfowl, and turkey space, and then, you know, lead that, that marketing strategy for those, um, for those species. So it's a sweet gig. I work with a bunch of like-minded folks that love to get outdoors, love to hunt, love to fish, a lot of young folks. So that, that makes it good. Um, but man, I, I mean, I could go on for days about the applications and uses for the Onyx Hunt app. Uh, I mean, some of my favorite uses when it comes to the whitetail woods are the ability to share waypoints. Um, mm, yeah, you know, I I hunt a lot of a lot of pieces that, uh, like for in my in Montana, for example, I live with my cousin. She's a nurse in town. She's big into bow hunting, and I'll. I'll hang a set and share a waypoint with her because, you know, she's on a different schedule than I'm like, Hey, you really should go sit in the stand this morning. I just moved it here. I'll just send her a waypoint and she can walk right to it. Oh, you know, same with nice. our Iowa family farm when there's multiple of us hunting, you know, we're shuffling tree stands around trail cameras. Um, another one I really like using is the tracker feature to walk into a stand. So like when I hang a stand, something that gets overlooked by, a ton of hunters is your exit and entrance routes. Like yeah. you can, you can ruin a hunt and have absolutely no idea you ruined that hunt before you even set foot in your tree. So, um, I always really like to plan out my entrance, especially my entrance strategies, exit strategies. You know, there's only really so much you can do. Like I'm not going to sleep in my tree overnight. Like I'm going to get back to my truck. Um, but the ability to map out those routes and like know exactly how you need to get in with a different wind, or again, the ability to share that if, you know, your hunting buddy is going to that stand, be like, Hey, make sure this is the route you walk because this is the only way to get in there without blowing something. Um, and I mean, public private land, I think that goes without saying, like if you've heard of on X, that's what you know it for. Um, and I mean, especially if you're a public land hunter, I promise you, if you don't have the hunt app and you go download it, you're going to find a piece of public land in close proximity to your place that you didn't know about. Um, and, and I mean, there is no better tool for the beginning hunter, which I know, you know, that's the premise of your podcast is to yeah. help get new folks into the woods. That, that is at the core of the Onyx Hunt mission is, hey, you know, there's no better application to help you understand where you can legally hunt and legally recreate outdoors than the Hunt app. You know, it's color coded and it's laid out right there for you. Like, you know exactly where you're standing and whether or not it is legal for you to be there. Like, it takes the guesswork and it takes the uncomfortability out of hunting. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. No, it it's funny because even like on the the land that I own, I like using it to just establish the boundaries. Like because they they still have like those old logging like markers and like T post and stuff where sure. 
you know, where you got like your boundaries and stuff, but they're so far apart. So it's like, okay, well, am I on my side? Am I on their side? Like, you know, that kind of deal. And like, you you know, the whole know, know where you stand, like I can just call it up and I'm looking at the property line. And I can see who owns the property or, you know, who it's, you know, legally uh, deeded to. And then knowing, like I said, whether or not I'm on my side, if there's a a dispute or something like that, it's just pull up the avenue. It's like, no, man, look, you're standing right here. You know, you're on my side of of the line or I'm on your side of the line. My bad. I'll move back over. Like, just... You know, simple stuff like that that you may take for granted, like you said, when you first start, it just it, it it makes life easier. And I didn't even think about the marking the trail as far as like the entrance and exits. I use it a lot to mark trees where I'm going to hang, where I'm going to do like my climber because I've really gotten into the climber the last couple of years. It's, you know, it makes me a lot mobile instead okay. of handing in, you know, like a lot of sets and stuff. I can, yep, yep. I can, you know, jump around and it's been a lifesaver as far as like marking trees and just remembering where trees are and which way to get into the tree. But I'd never thought about the entrance and exit routes. I just kind of do like, you know, okay, if I go here and I cut over here, I can get to the tree quicker as opposed to going up around. But like you said, depending on how you go in and the way the wind direction is, you could end up blowing something up before you even get in there. So and you might not even know it most of the time. Right, right. And then, yep. and I can't lie, my cop out most of the time is well, the wind swirls on my property. So it's like, <laughs> it's like the wind is never consistent because it swirls. But, it's, you know, again, going back to our original part of our conversation, when you said, you know, taking the time to learn and actually know like, OK, it may swirl, but before it swirls, it's blowing south or it's blowing east or, you know, stuff like that. So now it, it's it's definitely awesome. And then. Even cooler, I saw, and I want to dabble in it a little bit more, I like riding my ATV, so I'm always, like, looking for, like, public ATV trails and, you know, parks that you can ride and stuff. You guys got a whole separate app dedicated to off-roaders. How cool is that? Yeah, so, I mean, that, I mean, it's a fairly new product. I say fairly new, and uh, I guess in, in April it'll turn, it'll turn two. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just recognized that we had the base platform built with hunt and the number of folks that own, you know, a snowmobile an ATV, a UTV, a motorcycle, um, you know, all that good jazz was astronomical. I, you know, (laughs) I don't really work on the off-road side of things, so I don't know the exact number, but significantly higher than the, the hunting market. Um, and so it was just kind of like a, a no brainer internally to be like, Hey, why don't, why don't we offer this service to off-road folks too? Because I mean, the way we see it internally, obviously it's a business. Obviously we have to make money at the end of the day to keep our doors open. Sure. But our, our founder, his whole thing was like, I built this product to empower people to have the best experiences outside possible. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, that's my favorite part about the company is like at the end of the day, yes, of course we have to make money to, you know, be a successful business and and keep our doors open. 
but the fact that our product I, it literally enhances lives like it, it makes it makes getting outside and doing what you love so much easier yes yes from i mean simple tasks to like measuring uh a space where if you're going to do like a food plot or just measuring the space like if you're going to build a house like or build a camp you want to know how like the footprint of your camp area and stuff i mean there's tools in there to mark and you know draw that out and it's like okay this is a half an acre this is a quarter acre or whatever you know you want that camp space to be and you know like you saying just to follow up real quick I started like I grew up in South Carolina grew up in the country started hunting later as an adult but I always wanted an ATV and my first foray into the outdoors as an adult when I started working for myself and you know could save up money and afford it was an ATV so before I started hunting I was literally like looking for a place to ride it's like oh I can ride that power sure. line I can ride this I can ride that oh so it, it they go hand in hand like you say they you know the number of guys of us that love ATVs love side by sides and either use those for work around the property or just for leisure getting out I mean it great products man they they, they go hand in hand so you can't go wrong you cannot what is well, next? I appreciate that, brother. What's next for you? Where you you're in Wisconsin, you're gonna hunt a little bit at home, so that's good. That, that you know, that's the thing about working in the outdoors, just real quick. I know people sometimes people think like all you do is just hunt and maybe like spend a little bit of time behind the desk, but then you just go hunt, hunt, hunt. That's only a small part and it, it's definitely one of the perks but you still got to put in work are you doing some work for for onyx while you're doing this or is this still or is this strictly oh, God, vacation yeah. no, i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> logging into the the quote-unquote office every day i mean like we're, we're still we're still working remote um you know even when i'm at home in montana i've been working out of my you know my rental my rental house for the last i don't know since march um so I I'm working, but I'm definitely doing a lot of hunting, but thankfully I got a, a pretty cool boss that was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care where you're at in the country. So long as you're getting your job done, go out and, you know, go shoot some whitetails. That's your job. So, uh, next I got, I got a Wisconsin bow hunt starting on, uh, this Friday. And then from Wisconsin, I go straight to Iowa for a couple days. And then from Iowa, I fly to Oklahoma for a week oh. and then, after Oklahoma, I fly back to Iowa for a week. So I don't go back to Montana until November 15th. Oh, you're living the dream, brother. Living the dream. I am, I am living the dream. And quiet is kept low-key between me, you, and the thousands of people that listen to my podcast. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, highly yep. underrated waterfowl state. Shh. Oh, really? We well, I, uh, we I had birds there, but we had the time, or I should say, I had the time of my life last year. I did. It's crazy. This is the crazy stuff that I do. I had a basketball game in Tulsa, and I drove four hours south 
Oklahoma, southern Oklahoma. I forgot the town, but I drove four hours south to I think or south south slash west um, to duck hunt the next morning. So like I did the game. It was a noon game. Finished the game. Got up at like two in the morning to be at the spot by six a.m. Duck hunted till about eleven. Drove back to Tulsa to fly back to Atlanta, but it was well worth it. I limited. I bought a little small cooler, put stuff my little birds in there. I put two bottles of water, a cold water on top of them to kind of keep them so I could get back to Atlanta and then dress them because I didn't dress them in Oklahoma. I dressed them when I got <laughs> back. Yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. Definitely. Well, noted. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can find a pond while I'm down there. But, well, hey, man, I, uh, I'll i keep you updated throughout my journey. I'll uh, I'll be sure to send you some pictures and hopefully some dead bucks. There you go. There You can never go wrong with that. Jared, before you get back out, before you get out of here and get back to enjoying your mini slash work vacation, let the people know where they can find you, where you can find, well, they know where they can find on X because they, I, I beat it into them, uh, on the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, on is where you want to go to, uh, get yourself set up with, with the hunt app for sure. Uh, but I mean, me personally, uh, Jared C. Larson on Instagram, you're not going to find anything too special there, but, uh, you know, drop in, check it out. Um, but that's that's really the only social platform you can find me on. But Adam, man, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll have to do it again maybe at the, the end of the season and swap some stories, brother. All right. Big round of applause. Thank you, studio audience, a.k.a. Button C. Big round of applause for Jarrett Larson from Onyx Hunt. Glad he took the time to stop by and grace us here at the Bryantland Show. I hope you guys really enjoyed that conversation because I definitely enjoyed having it. Uh, like I said, Jared doing some wonderful things over there at Onyx and uh, just great folks to uh, to work with and to partner with. So once again, like I said, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jared. Now, before I get ready to get up on out of here and let you guys get on with your week, just a couple of things I want to remind you guys. BryantLandCountry.com is the website. I say it every week. BryantLandCountry.com. We got everything. We got merch. We have old videos. We've got past podcasts, blogs, everything Bryantland that you need is on the website. BryantLandCountry.com country.com also before i want to get out before i get out of here want to send a big shout out again to the folks at onyx hunt they support the bryantland show we appreciate it mapping technology that is out of this world don't head into the woods without it onyx maps know where you stand also want to send a big shout out to our friends over at traeger grills we are part of the Traeger Nation. We love our Traeger Grill over here at the Bryantland Show. We're going to put some of everything on it. We've put deer on it. We've put fish, burgers, chicken, pork chops, whatever you name. It cooks great on the Traeger Grill. So go on out, get you one, join the Traeger Nation. 
also want to send a big shout out and a big thank you to our friends over at Irish Setter Boots. My foot is healing very nicely, coming along, actually a little bit of head of schedule so pretty soon I will be back in my Irish set of boots out in the woods in my snake boots also have a new set of the elk trackers that I'm dying to break in Irish set of boots make sure you go and check them out next week we will be back with another podcast something for your ears giving you knowledge and entertainment make sure you come back right here next week for another episode of the Bryant Land Trip.